Hello and welcome to The Niccolo Show. This is the show where you join me every other Sunday for an episode talking about anything I currently find interesting, whether that be discussing some of the world's philosophical questions, a fun new way to make money on the internet, spending time experiencing new industries and feeding back on that time, or really anything else I feel other people might find compelling. I'm a firm believer in the idea that to be successful, all you have to do is try a bunch of different things until you find the one that works. To that end, I spend my free time trying my hand at every industry I feasibly have access to, learning crazy amounts about the world, business, and life along the way. If you missed the last episode, make sure to give it a listen, because I discussed my plans for the show, gave a bit of a brief summary of my life so far, and explained who I am and how I think. I feel it might be useful to, to help you understand where I'm coming from in future episodes. I have a bit of a cold, by the way, so sorry if my voice sounds a bit off, but I wasn't going to let anything stop me from releasing this episode on time. So uh, now that that's out of the way, let's get into today's episode. Today I'm going to be talking about the future of work, what I expect will happen in the next 10 to 20 years, how we can prepare ourselves career-wise so we don't suffer too much when the way we work fundamentally changes, as well as some possible solutions to the potential problems uh, this will introduce. Without getting too political, I'll also discuss the concept of universal income, UBI, because it's pretty inevitable as a topic, um, and it really goes hand in hand with this conundrum, basically. Um, and I'll obviously explain what it actually is, but I'll also talk about how this could be a potential solution in the possible scenario where robots and tech companies take care of everything humans ever needed to do. But also how UBI has potential problems to do with motivation and how it could very quickly become a way for the big tech giants to increase inequality even further and their own power. I spent the past two weeks researching and reading as much as I could on the future of work, automation, robotics, and AI. And it's been a subject matter that I've been thinking about for a very long time. It's the kind of thing I get into conversations about with both friends and family on a regular basis. And I thought it would be the the perfect topic for today's podcast and its first proper episode. Don't expect this to be extremely structured because I want to keep things as conversational as possible and I want to keep this quite informal. I mean, although at the same time, I want the show to retain some semblance of intellectual integrity. So where and when I can, I'll try and balance out my arguments and cite sources. But I want this to feel like a sort of conversation you have with a friend or a nice dinner time slash pub conversation, pretty much. So um, first and foremost, it's incredibly difficult for anyone to predict the, the future of innovation and how technology will develop in the future. Because pretty much by definition, innovation is unpredictable. And it's the process of coming up with and introducing new ideas. The key here is in the word new. Because a lot of technology that we'll see in 20 to 30 years will be something we never could have ever imagined at this point in time. I mean, it's things that are so far off that the human mind physically can't imagine that far. Um, and what I think is even more difficult is coming up with a time frame for when this dystopian or maybe utopian future that we're all imagining will become a reality. I mean, George Orwell, for example, described a dystopia far from where we actually ended up, at least for now, in his book 1984. And he was only trying to look 30 years into the future. Granted, we could still get there as government surveillance is getting stronger and stronger these days. 
But I think we can all agree that the world has gone a very different direction to what Orwell imagined. And in any case, uh, his timing prediction was way off. I mean, we already haven't got there and it's 70 years later. I don't know if it'll be my kids, my grandchildren, or my relatives much, much further down the line. But all I know is that at some point, we'll get to a point where humans are not needed for most of the functional and operational aspects of the society we live in, at least today. Because of course, the world is ever-changing and always evolving, so there's always an argument for the, the idea that the jobs we never thought that we'd need might become key parts of the human workforce in the future. I mean, who knows, we might have um, we might have more complicated traffic operation because all of our cars are now driving in the sky. I mean, who knows, the world changes. But um, I guess we should first start off with some stats that I came across just to show the scale of the problem a little bit. One of the most uh, realistic studies that I saw from Oxford University stated that over 800 million jobs could be automated and more than likely replaced by the year 2030. It's a shocking number, to be fair. This is mainly people doing trainable work, people making under $20 an hour, meaning work that doesn't require a degree or particular complex expertise. These are jobs that can be sort of learnt on the job and are largely procedural and repetitive. What some people don't grasp is that the, um, the vastly overwhelming majority of the world earns nothing near $20 an hour, and especially in less developed countries where educational infrastructure is potentially not as strong, there are very few jobs that will survive the next 10 to 20 years, unless we figure out some new jobs that we will have demand for in the future. I mean, this even includes people in developing countries employed by Western multinationals, because the, the moment these firms can reduce their costs by automating things like customer support, They'll have no need for outsourced call centers and so on, as computers are both more efficient and probably cheaper in the long run. In car manufacturing, a good half to three quarters of the manufacturing process is already done using full robotic arms or, or at least using cobots, which are sort of robots designed to interact with humans, like exoskeletons which are basically armor that enables humans to lift incredibly heavy ob objects for extended periods of time. And only the processes that aren't yet possible with robots are done by humans. But it's important to realize that not too long ago, people thought that all these things were incredibly intricate trades and crafts and thought that none of it could be automated because it was the kind of skill that was passed down through generations, through apprenticeships and so on. So now that um, that robots can do it, I mean, we don't know what the where it stops pretty much, where it ends. The scariest part for me is to think about the fact that all these robots and computers are all backed by AI that is learning how humans interact with the robots every time they do. And many factory workers and even Uber drivers are unwittingly training AIs to do their jobs every time they clock in, which if you think about it is quite a depressing thought to be honest. It's very easy to get carried away in these kinds of conversations. So of course, I definitely see a future where humans work together with robots to achieve an even better output. This may be things like quality assurance or people controlling robotic arms, wearing these exoskeletons, who knows? However, I find it difficult to avoid the idea coming into my head that all these processes can, at least over time, be learned by a computer. Whether or not this will take 10 years, 100 years, or even 500 years, I have no idea. 
but I do see it as pretty much inevitable. You would not believe the speed of innovation at the moment. This idea of humans uh, working in conjunction with robots and computers is definitely not a new one. And actually, Amazon has been doing this for quite a long time. Since around 2005, I think, with their website, uh, Amazon Mechanical Turk. You may never have heard of it before because it's quite a sort of back-end computer programmer kind of website that most people never really interact with. But basically, it's a pretty big website where developers can outsource part of their processing to human operators in countries like India, Pakistan, etc. for a very low fee to take care of things like uh, data entry, categorization, and more to, um, to, take, part, to take care of uh, all the parts of their software that they can't yet do very accurately with an algorithm, at least at the moment. Interestingly, the name comes from a machine invented in the 18th century, I think 1770, uh, in Hungary, where a human operator would hide inside a machine with sort of a mechanical Turkish man, um, making it look like the machine was playing chess against you through a complex network of uh, gears and mechanics. And this was done to sort of collect tips, and eventually it was done to impress some queen. I can't remember who, but it was someone in Austria-Hungary probably. Um, So quite interesting where the name comes from as a side note. The craziest thing for me is that with time, every single thing we do is being digested by complex and incredibly powerful machine learning. These algorithms are sort of vast networks of data digesting everything we do. And part of the difficulty with automating everything is uh, the fact that humans are able to respond to complex and unexpected scenarios with relative ease. But if an algorithm has encountered the exact same situation before, the, the human advantage slowly starts to disappear because, I mean, there are only so many situations that someone can be put in in their job. They're not really that infinite. A guy called uh, Kurzweil proposed a sort of singularity movement in which he stated that in 2045, when machines start performing better than humans do, humans will start to integrate and augment themselves to become more competitive with machines. I mean, this has already started with the biohacking movement, where people are getting computer chips uh, implanted into their bodies. But I mean, this is far from what's possible, because already with augmented reality, if we found a way to implant a computer in the brain, we could start to see calculations and data superimposed over our vision. Imagine that. I personally think this is much further out than 2045, but again, it's an interesting thought. What do we do when we can no longer compete with computers and need to start augmenting ourselves? You may have seen some smart people in your time, but nothing can compare to the millions of different concurrent calculations that a computer can do at once. I mean, it can think of every single possible scenario when designing a new car, when designing a new roller coaster, and it's a lot less prone to error than even the smartest humans in the world. If we zoom in a little bit to the present day for a truck driver in America, one of the biggest and most immediate threats to them is obviously self-driving cars or self-driving trucks. Truck driving has uh, long been one of the go-to professions for anyone that did not have a university education and wanted to earn a middle-class income. They, along with taxi drivers, who are almost equally at the same risk, often use Waze, Google Maps, Apple Maps to navigate the roads. And as I said before, they're all unknowingly training an AI to do their job for them. 
by teaching by teaching them what to do in uh, all kinds of scenarios when out on the road. What's crazy to consider is that three percent of Americans drive for a living, and that's not even including all the truck stops, hostels, petrol stations along the highway, whose uh, clientele is mainly made up of professional drivers and taxi drivers and sort of anyone who drives professionally for a living. Uh, total truck driving salaries add up to $300 billion per year in the US. And these salaries support not only the driver, but on average a family of four other dependents for each trucker. I mean, already in the next five years, I think, that's going to be a crazy amount of structural unemployment. Tesla already has self-driving trucks that at least for now require human supervision. But when this need is no longer required, I'm sure Tesla would be more than confident to let these trucks drive alone. The impact on this industry alone will be catastrophic, especially because many people know nothing else. It'll be difficult to know what to do with this mass structural unemployment. If, if this was an isolated incident, it might be okay. But the problem is that even medicine is being automated right now. And it's difficult to say which jobs will be safe in the next 20 years. Radiologists are already being replaced by AI because most of their job consists of analyzing x-ray scans. And once this has been done enough times, you can train a computer to do this for you because it's seen it all. Another problem I haven't even discussed is that many cities are based around certain professions. For example, Las Vegas and their gambling. 65% of jobs are said to be automated in the next 10 years, even more so for cities revolving around manufacturing. I'm trying to stay as politically neutral as possible here, but there was a recent article in the Financial Times a few months ago um, how, at least in the US, 85% of the manufacturing jobs were not lost to international trade, but rather due to technical innovation. The fact that manufacturing left the US due to other countries producing things for cheaper is a bit of a myth. And many of the protectionist policies imposed on China by the US might therefore actually have very little effect in the end. It's not all doom and gloom though, because as I stressed at the beginning, who really knows what will happen? I'm not some kind of oracle on the future, but I do enjoy thinking about the extremes. Because um, if you prepare for the extremes, you're still better off in the intermediary stages. The, the human race has, over hundreds of years, evolved and adapted to dramatically changing circumstances, time and time again. And employment and wages have almost always been rising over time, largely due to all the new emerging economies getting more and more connected. We have largely found a new way every single time, even when things seem desperate. I think there's a big argument to be made for the idea that there are definitely going to be millions or hundreds of millions of jobs that we can never even imagine in the future. And that in itself is the problem. Because if you, if you just think about the direction the world is heading in now, you start to project an absolute crash course. In any case, economists are referring to this new industrial revolution as the big displacement. <laughs> At least they call it a displacement, meaning we can do something about it and prepare ourselves to dramatically change career and stay flexible, and be displaced in a way that benefits us. Anyone currently 20 to 30 years into their career doesn't really have to worry. But people starting now should really start investing into flexible skills that they see as things that are unique to humans and can't be automated. I'm a firm believer in the idea that anyone who's under the age of 25 and refers to themselves as computer illiterate 
it's pretty much a lost cause in the future job market. I'm sorry, but it's true. If you aren't confident using new software, mobile apps, web-based control panels and stuff like that, you're of very little use in the future economy. To be completely honest, I never really understood why parents, and even my parents to a certain extent, discouraged extended use of computers. I mean, let's not get this wrong. My parents were incredibly supportive of, um, of my computer usage and I thank them infinitely for it. Um, but if you're going to do something remotely useful on the computer as a kid, whether that be gaming, browsing Reddit, or in an ideal scenario learning to program, you're becoming more comfortable with interacting with computers and the internet, and that can never not be useful. Even if we never get anywhere close to the future I'm talking about, I can guarantee you one thing. Jobs will increasingly require computer literacy. I'm not saying you definitely need to become fluent in C++ and Python, but at the very least you should understand how the internet works, so that you can pick up any new piece of software and learn the ins and outs of it very quickly without batting an eyelid. The key is to really focus on the parts of your specific industry or expertise that can never be automated, or at least will be, there, will be the last to be automated. Try and give yourself an edge. If you're a lawyer, become familiar with smart contracts and the way blockchain can interact with contract law. If you're a banker, try and familiarize yourself with computers, fintech, blockchain, I mean, increasingly firms are looking for people with quantitative skills that are comfortable with uh, working with complex algorithms, a bit like car manufacturers work with cobots. Although there are fewer of them, creative fields will pretty much always be safe. This is a whole topic in itself, but it's almost impossible for computers to come up with uh, completely new and creative ideas. And if we ever get to that point, I'd be seriously worried. The only difference is that with time, people are getting more accustomed to free content, and this may seriously hurt the creative field. Although there's a move towards more and more paywalls, so I'm hoping uh, this will improve things. Because, for example, journalists don't, in the future, journalists won't just aim for clicks, but will rather aim for like journalistic integrity. Um, I'll probably cover this in a future episode if people are interested, because I think uh, this in itself is quite fascinating. Anyway, on a side note, soft skills will also increasingly become very useful. Computers again haven't mastered soft skills and probably never will. Try and use this to your advantage. I know being computer smart and having good soft skills never really goes hand in hand, but try to make it work. I feel like I've had a pretty decent crack at it. I don't want the only takeaway from this to be that you should go out, learn to program and learn to speak to people. <laughs> but I mean... If I could put this uh, as simply as possible, the key is to really invest in those skills that you think give you an edge. Whether that be starting your own business, which pretty much solves the whole issue, to be honest, or just trying to add to your repertoire of skills in your free time in order to stay useful in the job market. Regardless of how prepared you personally are for this future, somewhere down the line, I think it's interesting to think about what our relatives will do in the distant future. I think it's pretty much inevitable that we'll eventually get to the point at which computers, robotics, and AI are good enough that humans are no longer needed to carry out the core functions in society. There'll still inevitably be some jobs in operating these robots and computers, but of course these will be dramatically fewer, because the beauty of computers is that they can do the job of thousands with only one, one operator. This may somewhat inevitably, with time, lead to even more inequality than we have today. 
Automation will uh, concentrate most of the money and wealth on the people that own and operate these robots. And the people who operate the robots will become fewer and fewer. I mean, that's why tons of robotics venture capitalist firms are are investing hard into AI because whoever owns these robots will own the world. That's why you might not be surprised to learn that many of the world's most innovative Silicon Valley startups are huge proponents of universal basic income as the saving grace and solution for this eventual problem. San Francisco itself is a great window into this future. Inequality there is extremely high, and many people who are actually employed in full-time work live in RVs outside the city, as they can't afford to rent since tech companies already don't have to hire as many people per dollar of revenue as traditional conglomerates. And the number of jobs in San Francisco is falling steadily. Most of the world's biggest CEOs uh, in tech are proponents of UBI. Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, just to name a few, have uh, all mentioned UBI as a potential solution to this problem. I just realized I haven't actually explained what it is yet, though. Uh, UBI is the concept of handing out a fixed amount to everyone in the country every month, a baseline amount that would allow people to survive so that uh, they can then use their energy to advance their careers and potentially enjoy life a bit, maybe, rather than struggling to find the next meal every single day. Zuckerberg described it as a cushion for people to try new ideas. If done properly, I do actually think this could do wonders, particularly in this utopian society far out in the future that we're all talking about. In contemporary society, I'm not sure how successful it would be. Although in Finland, they are doing trials and it seems to be very successful. Although Finland is very different from most other countries in the world in terms of inequality and standard of living. The main issue at the moment is that if this were to be introduced, you might have problems with incentive to work. If you could spend all day watching Netflix and survive comfortably, why would you ever do something else? There are a lot of good shows on Netflix. I mean, obviously there's a lot more to life than Netflix, but you'd be surprised by how many people don't agree with this statement. The issue is basically that, although Zuckerberg says it's a cushion to try new ideas, it may be too comfortable of a cushion. (laughs) We know Zuckerberg loves his cushions. Aside from that, it could potentially lead to even more inequality. Because, you know, who would also benefit from people spending all their time and money on Facebook, Netflix, and Instagram? Mark Zuckerberg would. Aside from all this, there's the inevitable question of where this money would come from. I mean, taxes would have to be raised, especially on corporations, which could stunt innovation even, even more than whatever regulations are put in place already do. I mean, I saw a a funny quote the other day. I'm just going to read it out one second. Um, Give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. Wait, scratch that. He won't eat for a lifetime. Automation took over and fish the metaphorical seas dry. Meanwhile, some bold tech leaders pipe up. I have a brilliant idea. What if we just give everybody fish? I mean, on the whole, I think at this current time, there would uh, be millions of reasons why this wouldn't work, at least worldwide. But in this utopian future where robots take care of everything necessary and boring for the functionality of society, it might be difficult to find a job or something to do for every human, at which point we might almost become a burden on the earth. It's difficult to, to wrap your head around and envisage, a bit like an episode of Black Mirror, but just imagine that your life consisted of reading books, watching TV, hanging out with friends 
and having, having children, because the world only needs a few select people to make all of this possible. It could really go either way. It's at this point where it gets too abstract for me, and even, and I can't re- really even comment on it, because it's, I mean, it's interesting to think about how this future utopian world could work in theory, but it, it's very difficult to sort of put this into words and describe this scenario. I mean, when robots take over all the necessary and vital parts of society, what happens to capitalism when scarcity is no longer a problem? In the field of economics, one of the core things you learn is that price is pretty much a function of scarcity. What if nothing is ever scarce anymore? We might never need to think of capitalism again. I mean, who knows? We might need to rethink the concept itself. This is another question. I mean, just something to think about. But anyway, I think we're going to leave it there for today. I found that really fun to both research and discuss. I mean, I'm a massive sci-fi movie buff, and I've watched pretty much every utopian and dystopian movie there is. And you probably got hints of that as I was talking there. (laughs) I am on the whole pretty optimistic about the whole thing. I know I may not have seemed like it at all times during this episode, but I honestly have faith in humanity, in that we won't let computers rid us of any useful contribution to society. Or at least definitely not in our lifetimes. If you take anything away from this episode, I implore you to encourage your future or current kids to mess around with computers. You'll thank me later, trust me. Computer fluency is one of the only ways you can keep up with this quickly evolving job market. Try to become one of those guys creating the services people use, rather than just being a consumer. I mean, it'll be good for you regardless. No matter what happens, tech is becoming more and more important in the world. And if everyone can stay on top of it, these horror stories might just remain horror stories. Thanks so much for listening to me uh, ramble on for a good, damn, 26 minutes now. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to give this podcast a chance. And as we all know, time is money. So hopefully I can pay you back for your time in the upcoming episodes. And I hope you learn something uh, new every single one. And to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast client you're listening to this on. And it would be great if you left me a nice review on iTunes. I read every single one and it would really make my day. Consider subscribing to The Niccolo Show on Radio Public. It's a free, easy-to-use app that helps listeners like you find and support shows like mine. When you listen to the show on Radio Public, I receive direct financial support every time you hear an episode. Experience our show in Radio Public today by visiting the show link in our episode's notes. There'll be links in the show notes and a nice summary of each episode, and I hope you consider subscribing to the mailing list or following the show on Twitter. All the details for this are on nicolo.co.uk. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to The Niccolo Show. I hope to see you again next episode and have a great rest of your weekend. <laughs>